You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Januta and Matthew. It is 8.05am. Our time always flies all way too fast here on Faith FM, but we're excited that you're listening in today. Of course, is the last day of the week, and this is the last day for quiz questions. <clears throat> and we go, you go into the draw for at quarter to nine today to win the prizes. So we have our fourth quiz question, please, Matthew. Gladly. So our fourth quiz question, friends, is this. What kind of giver does God love according to 2 at 2 Corinthians and chapter 9? Mm-hmm. So what kind of giver does God love according to 2 Corinthians chapter 9? Yes. So text us in your answers on 0491-064669. And you'll go in the draw for the book Convicted and also the one by Roger Morno, and we might be able to play that one on Convicted for you because we haven't yet played it today. But the short snippet, the ad about the young juvenile delinquent, so that you know which book you'll be winning amongst the two. Have we got that ad ready? Yep. He was a troublemaker, an angry kid with no reason to play by the rules. Then, on Halloween night, he got caught driving a getaway car loaded with cash, drugs, and guns. Now, 16-year-old Andrew Mitchell is going behind bars for a long, long time. Yet it was in solitary confinement that he first tasted true freedom. One copy of the Living Bible in the hands of this very bored teenager had an effect that no one in his life expected. Read the whole story in the book, Convicted. Bang, right there. I love that ad. It's just like so full on, isn't it, in every way. But it gives you a great overview of what the book will actually uh, be all about. Convicted and the second one is a soup into, um, a soup, a trip into the supernatural. Isn't that funny what the tongue does sometimes, yes. hey? Like, you know, when we go too fast with the brain and then things just don't connect. So it's not a soup, it's a trip into the supernatural. Into God's soup. Yeah, <laughs> into God. Yeah, into God's realm. You know, basically into the family of God. You yeah. know, we talk. We've talked a lot about here on Faith FM about the importance of when we're on a journey with Jesus Christ. When we start, get, when we give our heart to the Lord, it is good to be surrounded by people who are of like mind. What are your thoughts on that, Matthew? I absolutely agree. I mean, one of the things we use at our church is that it's important when we see someone come in that we bring them under our wings, a bit like a football team. And they say for a person to be retained in your church, they should at least get to know about three people that have intentionally come across their way to greet them. Absolutely. And not just to greet them, but also then to keep on having interest in them, not just when somebody steps into church, but even outside of those situations, you know, so that we build a true friendship. Not that we're there to get anyone on a hook, you know. (laughs) What we know is that the answer is Jesus Christ for for so many people in their lives. Um, And of course, the greatest thing is salvation in Jesus Christ that, that each one gets when people respond. But here's the thing, it's about being genuinely interested in the other person in in every kind of way. Absolutely, especially when Jesus, when he meets us, he's our friend. And we also, you know, display those same affections. So it's all about friendship evangelism. Mm. So when you return to the Lord, because you told us yesterday that you, you know, left for a few years, uh, you were brought up in an Adventist Christian home, but then you left and then you came back to the Lord 
Yes. We who who kind of you know you don't, we don't need to know names or anything like that. But what did you find that when you started coming back that really helped you stay on track? Yeah, I had some really really good godly friends that really loved the gospel. Uh, they're pastors today. Uh, there was a particular speaker that I was into that was keeping me on the, the straight and narrow for a bit, and his name was Stephen Lewis. Okay. Now, my girlfriend at the time in church, uh, she didn't really take a liking to him because he was quite what we call a flamethrower preacher. Ah. That's because uh, they strike the fear of God in the people. But I thought I needed him at the time because I was quite you know, into discos, nightclubs and things, and I, I needed to be drawn back from the world back into God's lightning. And then I realized, hang on, this preacher is a bit kind of strong and extreme and even legalistic. So Mm. I needed some balancing out. So I came across the path of an excellent speaker named Pastor Louis Torres, actually. Mm. And he uh, has a testimony where he was with Bill Haley and the Comets. That's right. He was a rock star, very well-known rock star. I think it was back in, what, 1977 or something like that, I think. It might have been that he he gave his heart to the Lord and he left that side of life. Because, you know, with that, the kind of music that it brings, the kind of lifestyle that it brings is quite different to the way of the Lord. And he now, of course, for many, many years, um, has, has been running, uh, a mission school as well where there's discipleship program, uh, where basically discipleship meaning, you know, teaching people how to follow the Lord and to follow him, um, strongly and deeply and to, to read God's word, to live that life with Jesus, but then to also go out and do what we're talking about with our lesson is to witness and to go and share Jesus with other people, doesn't he? It is, and that's the beauty of someone sharing their faith and testimony. I mean, I was in a dark place, and the warmth of Pastor Louis Therese's you know, infectious desire to witness about Jesus, it turned a light on in me to be close to the Lord. And that light, it lights up everything in your, in your heart that you can't contain it. You've got to share it. You want to tell about Jesus. And he's my personal saviour. He can be yours too today. I love that. I love what you're saying in every way. And like you say, you can't contain it. And I know for myself, you know, that turning point was in my my teenage years, but the greater turning point was actually in my later 20s when I was actually living overseas in the UK at the time. And, you know, I'd had a lot of the heart, head knowledge, you know, knowledge and information. And if we actually read the Bible only for information, we will never get very far with that. We will take it, but we'll, we won't have the heart change that happens. And of course, even Jesus said to Nicodemus about, you know, about that change that is actually needed. We read about that story in John chapter three. Yes, and I'm with you there. I, I'm surprised that we're sharing this because that's exactly where I was at. I had the information because Mum said they menaced, took us to church, but didn't have that heart transformation. And I love what you just shared. Uh, the information later on when you met Jesus, that pivotal point, like I did, that, that, that turning point leads to transformation or the change. Absolutely. And for me, that particular verse that really jumped out at me when I was reading, even though I'd read it many times before, was from Ephesians um, chapter 2 um, that says, you know, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works, so that you, you know, you don't boast. And, and uh, you know, when we when we try and do works-based salvation, we've said this before on Faith FM, then it indicates that there's no need of a saviour. Absolutely. Because Jesus has done that yes. uh, for on, on our behalf. That's right. And that's what grace is all about. And so when I realized that, you know, my turning point came even further with that, but having that living relationship with Jesus meant actually reading God's word and praying every single day and actually digging deeper, not just reading it, but going like, oh, what does this mean? Or what's the story behind this? Or what's the outcome of this? Or how do I apply it into my life? Because we, you know, the Bible's written, even back in those days, you know, it was written 
but for us so that we can apply it to our lives today in every kind of way. And so, yeah, like you're saying, you know, that transformation has come for you and I, and we can't help but share Jesus with others. And we want to encourage our listeners to be doing the same in every way. Um, and so that's why we're actually going to continue our study that then looks at um, starting from where you are. And so we're going to get our Bible text ready so that we can actually have that to read just shortly. But we're going to go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 is the verse that we're going to read. So if you've got your Bibles or you want to Google it, get that ready as well. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Connect with us on 0491-064-669. So here what we're actually looking at is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And we're actually continuing on from what we were talking about with the early church yesterday. So yesterday with the early church, we actually looked at Acts chapter 8, verse 1 to 4. And actually, let's read Acts chapter 8, 1 to 4 to give that background once again, because there was persecution in the church. And then it actually links in with Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which we touched on yesterday. We're going to use that today to then link with some other parts as well. So Acts chapter 8, verse 1 to 4, please, Matthew. Gladly. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. Mm, absolutely. And what we find here is that the, you know, the early church, um, was actually persecuted and basically because of that, they were then scattered. Um, Saul became Paul on the road at the following chapter in chapter Acts, Acts chapter eight, sorry, verse chapter nine actually tells us about how Saul, Paul, Saul was actually called on the Damascus road and then basically became Paul. He's the greatest writer, of course, in the New Testament. Now, this scattering links back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which is actually using Jesus' words, and the Holy Spirit is promised to them. In fact, let's go back to verse 4 in chapter 1, so it brings in also about Jesus talking in verse 8. Can you read that from chapter 1 of Acts, verse 4 to 8, please, Matthew. Gladly. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Yes, so right there we can see Jesus' words saying that the power of the Holy Spirit will actually come upon the disciples, upon the, um, them in the upper room. That happens then in chapter 2. And then basically in verse 8 he says, you know, once you've received, when you've received that power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit, because we cannot do it of ourselves, he says you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, so locally where they were, 
But then he says, you're going to go, going to, and you need to go beyond that. And he says, to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of, and to the ends of the earth. And of course, when we go through the book of Acts, then we actually see them that they actually do go, of course, to Judea and Samaria. So here in chapter eight that we read earlier, where they start being persecuted by Paul and they start being scattered, they go to Judea and Samaria. And that continues on to chapter 12. And then the rest of the world is indicated by the fact that then they go from chapter 13 to, to the end of the book of Acts in chapter 28 is also in Rome is what we actually see. I just want to share a thought too, which just came to mind now, Danuta. It was very important for them to meet in that upper room and to sort out their differences because the Lord could see that if they didn't get anything uh, settled between each other, the Holy Spirit can't fall upon them because there are still differences between each other. So I was glad that uh, you know, before the Holy Spirit could fall upon them, they were to settle dif- differences Come in one unity. Now the Holy Spirit can bless them and use them. I love what you're saying with that. And so let's just unpack that a little bit about, you know, differences. Mm-hmm. When people, what is it, different thoughts, different ways, different speech, what, what sort of things do we feel come with that? And what do differences bring in that, you know, we're saying then the Holy Spirit came upon them? When, because the Bible says they were then of one accord. Yes. So differences. Let's let's unpack that. Gladly. I can give a couple. Here's, here's one. We noticed that when Jesus was with them, there was always a power struggle. Mm-hmm. That was one. They all, you know, who could be closest to Jesus? Who could be used by Jesus the most? Who could be the leader? So uh, that power struggle was settled because they were able to just to share, hey, hang on, we shouldn't be fighting um, for being near Jesus. We should have this heart to have Jesus received in all of us because do you remember that story that talks about um, when Jesus said there's a parable about a laborer and for hire? So an employer hired someone in the early hours and later on at the last hours, yet they were paid the same. And what I take from that is, who is that same uh, payment that's given to them? It's Jesus. So they're really they're fighting um, for the worldly way of you know climbing the corporate ladder. When in Jesus' kingdom, it's actually those who go down. In humility, they're the ones that God regards the most. It's not about climbing higher and higher to be the best. It's actually who can surrender and die to self the most. And, and I love what you're saying is about dying to self because, of course, the disciples were were squabbling about who is the greatest. And that's why when Jesus actually washed the disciples' feet, Absolutely. right there what we actually see is he actually says to them, if I can read from chapter 13 in John, he mm-hmm. says, Most assuredly I say to his servant is no greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Yeah. And, of course, the reason that he actually said and actually did that is because when Jesus actually, um, you know, the, the, so here's a, here's a little bit of the history stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. So the typical thing is is that when somebody that was prominent was, you know, came into uh, to somebody's home, the the custom was that their feet would actually be washed. Yes. Okay, their feet would actually be washed when they actually came into the home. So when Jesus entered, virtually no, the disciples were squabbling amongst them who were the, who was the greatest and no one there wanted to choose to actually wash the disciples, Jesus's feet. It was beneath them to think like that. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, basically then we actually see them, um, Jesus actually rose from the supper. So they had the, the meal in the upper room and Jesus laid aside his garment and he he took the towel and he girded himself and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and 
to wipe them. So here's the significance. The washing signifies what? It signifies the washing away of their sins. Yep. That's correct. Okay, which is why as a Seventh-day Adventist church, we believe in the communion service, don't we? We do. We, we, we actually believe in the communion service and we actually have uh, basically the washing of the feet, one another's feet. That is the service. We call that the service of hum- humility. humility. Okay, and so that, that whole thing is when we actually humble ourselves, so put self aside, we're actually saying, I am equal to you, but I'm no greater than you, and therefore I will stoop down and I will wash your feet. Why the feet? Because the thing is that is the dirtiest part. Now, when we are actually in Israel with my husband, that to me became really significant. I'll tell you why. Because the thing is that... Over there, of course, it was that Jesus and his disciples walked the roads with sandals because yep. of the, the heat, the, the weather that is there. It's so hot. But also the roads are dusty. It's very dusty over there, okay? And so whenever we went out and actually uh, did the tourism places that we actually looked at, our shoes would actually be covered by dust. Our oh. shoes. We didn't have sandals, but... So I imagined basically what our, the feet would be, and Jesus washed their dirty feet. He's saying, I'm washing away your sins, but here's the better thing. What's even greater too with that, he's then he actually wiped their feet with towels, signifying that that is all your sins are wiped as clean as white as snow. Absolutely. You have a clean snake, slate. We do. And what convicts my heart to, to realize as well, what Jesus is teaching the disciples is to be so much there for them, even in the worst and hardest times, because remembering this is a motley crew of a mix of characters and they've all got diff- their different quirks. And what Jesus is saying is that if you can do this by washing the, you know, the dirtiest feet of your fellow d- disciple or mate in this group that we have, that means when the hardest times come, no matter how ugly it is, I know you'll be able to stoop down and help out. So it's about making sure that they support each other. It's not about outdoing each other because they need to be a team. And what I've noticed too is we're going to look into later on, I know you'll get there for us, Danuta, persecution is going to happen too soon. But how are they going to manage that? Well, one story that comes to mind, Jesus was in the boat during a storm one time and they were so panicking with the lightning and the darkness, where was Jesus? And see, when the... There's no presence of Jesus in the heart. You can't, you can't really see who can really be there for you in those hard times. Absolutely. Love what you're saying right there. With You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Morning. Okay, it has come time for our last quiz question. Please, Matthew. Okay. Sorry, folk. So the last quiz question is, after his resurrection, when Jesus appeared in the room of the disciples, what did they first think he was? Mm, okay, interesting question. And it also very much relates to what we've just been covering because yes. we said that Jesus appeared to them. Okay, that question again. After his resurrection, when Jesus appeared in the room of the disciples, what did they first think he was. Okay, text us in your answer on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and you'll go in the draw that is going to be happening shortly in about 15 to 17 minutes' time, and that time flies very quickly. So text us in your answers, state it or star it if you just want to play. And I just want to say again that for some of you who may be listening today, 
uh, we're trying to listen in yesterday. Unfortunately, we uh, we don't know quite what happened, but Australia wide, um, everything sort of died off with Faith FM with the stations for several hours, and so our first half an hour of the station, we unfortunately were not on. But we continued on, and so the great thing is we're actually getting some texts in today because people have been listening to yesterday's podcast because they didn't weren't ma- managing to get in. So. We're really excited about that, that people are still listening. And we just want you to know, too, that just in the last week or two, the Breakfast Show interview, so the interview interviews that we have, and, of course, today we had a fabulous interview by Dr. Wayne French on the Tut Roadshow, which is about Tutankhamun. It's a mobile archaeology semi-trailer that goes to the schools around New South Wales. Um, basically, the interview is now on a podcast specifically on its own, so you can actually go back and listen to those. That question again, after his resurrection, when Jesus appeared in the room with the disciples, what did they first think he was? Text us in your answer on 04 and you'll go in the draw for the book Convicted about a young juvenile delinquent who is transformed when he receives a Bible and God works on his heart and the second one on a trip to the supernatural into the supernatural by Roger Morneau again about the victories that can be won in Jesus Christ. Okay, in our Bible study, as we're continuing, starting from where you are, we have just read about the fact that Jesus told the disciples uh, to go from they'll be, they'll go into Jerusalem and then to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And of course, what we do see that is then happening of the scattering that starts to happen from chapter eight onwards in the book of Acts. We touched on it briefly as well yesterday. And so I just want to say right there that the power of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is really crucial when we are to be the witnesses and not just witnesses, the right witnesses. Because I know I've had times early in my my walk when I've shared, you know, I just had the head knowledge. I would want to bring Jesus to Christ and I would just so do it the wrong way. So do it the wrong way. But, you know, the thing is that God is a God of love, of gentleness, of walking alongside of people, not being pushy. He's not a God of force. And we need to be Christ-like when we do those things. And so here what we find, we touched yesterday briefly also on Peter not really wanting to be one of those that actually believed that the message that was given to the Jews was to actually go to the Gentiles and, um, you know, this whole insular thinking. Then he's been given this vision in uh, chapter 10 of Acts about clean and unclean foods. And that actually, the meaning of that vision is then interpreted a few verses later, where in fact, he's actually told that he's actually then called to go to Cornelius. Cornelius was a centurion in the Roman army shortly after the death of Jesus Christ. Um, and he learned about Jesus, and although he was not a Jew, he was actually a good man who believed in God. And he and his family gave, um, chapter, verse 2 of chapter 10 says, gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And so an angel came to Cornelius in vision as well. And, you know, so there's this summons to or request for Peter to come and he goes to, to Cornelius's house. And let's read now further verses that we didn't read last week. Yes, yesterday, sorry. But we're actually reading in chapter 10, verse 34 to 44, please, of what happens. Gladly. So it says there in chapter 10, verse 34 onwards to 44, it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, meaning has no favorites. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. 
The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him, and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that, through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And finally, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Oh, isn't that a powerful passage? Like right there yeah. we see that, you know, Peter initially didn't want to go to the Gentiles and then through the vision and, you know, God calling him to actually go to Cornelius, this happens. But then when he actually preaches in Cornel- to Cornelius's household, all those that are there in the home. He does. And what do we see there? I love at the start of that passage that you said, you know, when Peter opened his mouth in truth, because that's the key, yeah. not to go contrary to God's word. Absolutely. Okay. God's word has all the answers for our lives in, in, in there, and the Bible does not change. Yeah. It has been recorded. That's what, isn't that what, what, what Wayne shared with us earlier today? That the Dead Sea Scrolls, when they were discovered, that each thing was actually accurate, you know, according to what we even have now. So that proves that, that was actually found of what was written thousands of, you know, back, back in, in Qumran all those years ago and how it proves that the Bible is true. Yes, and it's resounding with a verse that comes to mind, Danuta, the one that goes in John chapter 8, verse 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall, shall make you free. Shall set you free. Free. That's so right. Anything other than the truth, if it's mixed even, you're not fully free. That's but right. when truth is given in its whole absoluteness, you are being set free. Absolutely. And here what we find then, and that he says also for every nation, in other words, there is no discrimination between nation, races. It is The message is for everyone. We are to be witnesses, um, in verse 39 says, and we are the witnesses of these things and, and to then take that further. And then it says, I love what Peter then, it says at the very end, which says Peter was still speaking these words, these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And basically then says in verse 45, the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Mm. And so here's the thing, the take home message for us, isn't that? Mm-hmm. Is that when we come to the Lord, we share it with others. We are to be witnesses to others, but that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. It is for everyone. That message is for everyone. So we want to challenge you today as we challenge each and every day that you give your heart to Jesus, that you say yes to Jesus, pick up a Bible, listen to Christian music, change, change what you're listening to, but that cannot be done by your own power. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then more than that, don't limit, don't limit it to yourself. Share that with other people. Share the love of Jesus. Be a witness. Pray for them that the Holy Spirit will come into their lives, that the Holy Spirit will transform their lives, that people will be open to having change and the power of the Holy Spirit on their life. 
You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And it has come to the exciting time where we spin the wheel to see who wins our two prizes for this week. Take it away, Shell, please. And the wheel is spinning. It is spinning. And our winner, yay! Our winner today is Freco, Freco, you are the lucky winner today of the two books convicted about the young juvenile delinquent um, who actually has a transformed life when the Bible is actually given to him. And also then basically um, the second book is A Trip into the Supernatural by Roger Morneau. Okay, so you're probably all keen in knowing what our answers are for the quiz questions. So here we go. First one. What did Barnabas sell so he could give money to the apostles? The answer is land. He sold land. Okay, the next one. Who wrote this line? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It was actually King David. King David was the main writer of all the Psalms and just absolutely fabulous passages in the Psalms. Next one, fill in the blank, was... The word was delight, so it reads from Psalm 37 verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I found that passage very comforting for me so many times. Very many. You probably too, hey? Definitely, especially when when wanting the Lord to answer your prayers, uh, to especially come out of, like I said yesterday, broken places into, you know, Places of peace. Absolutely. Our fourth one, what kind of giver does God love according to Second Corinthians 9? It is a cheerful giver. And the number five, after his resurrection, when Jesus appeared in the room with the disciples, what did they first think he was? They thought he was a ghost. And we find that in Luke chapter 24, verse 36 to 51, where this is, excuse me, after the resurrection, and uh, the disciples then basically, uh, you know, they walked along the road of Emmaus and then they actually met, of course, in Jerusalem and they found the 11 who were there gathered together saying to the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to, um, to Simon. And they stood about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in breaking of the bread. Now, as they were together, they stood in the midst of them. Jesus came in the midst of them and he said to them, peace to you. And of course, then it actually says that they, they were terrified and suppose they had seen a spirit or, or, or a ghost. So that's where we find that answer from that one. They thought, who on earth is this? Of course. And then Jesus spoke and they recognized him. Um, when he actually asked them for food, yeah. of course, you know. Which is really interesting. Now, I want to go back also then. Let's go back also to the one in number two, the Lord is my shepherd. Mm. What psalm? Because that comes from a very familiar psalm, doesn't that, Matthew? It Which does. psalm is that one? It's Psalms, chapter 23. And I think you shared also yesterday, Danuta, that this psalm is quite renownedly used in different areas like funerals um, and even different church events. So I guess we're unpacking that today. Yeah, so we don't have much time with that, but just going to that then, it is the very first verse of Psalm 23, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse 2, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness 
for his namesake. Now, further on, he says uh, about comforting. He prepares a table for us. Um, and on, on he goes. But I just want to say that here's the interesting thing, that God, Jesus here is likened to a shepherd. Yes. What do we think of a shepherd? We think of someone that's a caretaker, someone that's a guide, someone that protects and someone that provides. Absolutely, in every way. And, of course, he feeds, gathers and cares for the sheep. Now, the interesting thing is, of course, a shepherd is the one who leads the sheep. We know that sheep are interesting animals. They kind of follow one another. If one's going off in this direction, suddenly they all go in that direction and then they're going. And, you know, sometimes that saying we say, oh, he's he's a bit like a sheep, you know, because, you know, we follow somebody in the wrong direction or something like that. But, But also the thing is, you know, the passage of shepherd comes up a lot. We find it in the book of Isaiah. We find it in the book of Jeremiah, particularly in verse 23, where it says, you know, gathers his flock. And also um, we find in the book of John that John writes that, you know, the shepherd knows, the, the sheep know their, the shepherd's voice. And that is really distinct and important that we know basically which direction to follow because Jesus is our shepherd and he cares for us. And also in First Peter it says that he restores us. And so um, really important stuff there of Jesus being our shepherd and we are the sheep of his pasture basically. And so, yeah, he cares in every way. He knows each one by name and he lives, leads us in paths of righteousness, of being right, of being morally right, but in every way following him. So remember for this weekend, talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.